letter uh, telling me that um, he thought I should go into the Church of England. Um, I was 16. Um, I got this letter. I, didn't, I honestly didn't know quite what to do with it at the time, but I had no, I had no real plan to do that. Um, and I was still very much on my faith journey of my own, and um, I, uh, I kind of, you know, pursued uh, or I pursued a career in, in uh, you know, I, many of you know I wanted to be an English lecturer and that sort of thing for many years. But I mean, if you can imagine the kind of, uh, the effect, I was about 30 when I did go into the Church of England. Um, I can you imagine sort of, what do you do with that at that point, where you think, somewhere on the line, there was this, I, you know, it's not the kind of thing you forget, someone writes you a letter like that. Can I suggest, by the way, don't send your, the 16-year-olds you know uh, a letter telling them what you think they should do. It hangs around with you. But what do you do with that later on? How do you process that? Particularly if you go and tell people you're, gonna, you know, you're thinking, uh, should you go into the Church of England? Somebody many years ago wrote you a letter saying they think you should. I imagine some of you are going, well, that's just really weird, isn't it? Um, or that's very ill-advised, or, uh, well, I wouldn't do it that way. No, nor would I. But there we are. That's it. And I wonder what, what you make of that. Because, you see, we're thinking this morning about God's sovereignty, his hand over events, uh, over the course of your or my life. I can't, I can't sort of... I can't pretend that didn't happen. Uh, I can't pretend that I didn't go into the Church of England. You can all see it. Um, you just have to live with those things sometimes. and go, well, what do you make of that? What do you make of God's sovereignty? How do you think about it? Because Job gets confronted with it. We finally get the point where Job talks with God in the book. And he is, he is kind of confronted with, and, and God confronted with his sovereignty, his hand over everything. And it's a real sort of wrestle. What do you make of that? And... And so often, I think when, you, when we come to this, it's, many people find this ending and the, both parts of the ending, the, well, this bit and next week, quite dissatisfying in lots of ways. And we'll come on to that in a bit. But it is definitely God confronting Job with his sense, actually, you don't know everything, and I do. Um, and so we're going to think about three things this morning. We're going to think about what it means, uh, this kind of to embrace God's sovereignty. What does it mean? Uh, we'll think about how you would... How would you embrace God's sovereignty? Um, and then we'll think about, why would you? Why would you want to embrace God's sovereignty? We'll ask that. Okay. Uh, what does it mean? Those opening verses. So the Lord then speaks to Job out of the storm. And he says, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Now, if you think, given, given everywhere we've been, what has happened to Job, the long chapters of, uh, uh, of him talking with his comforters, uh, who weren't, weren't a great deal of help. And then suddenly, this is, this is how God presents himself and says to embrace yourself like a man, I will question you. I kind of want to make this, this really sort of clear from, from the start. What does it mean to embrace God's sovereignty? What the book of Job at least is trying to tell us is that you don't always get what you want. To embrace God's sovereignty is that you don't always get what you want. Now, that's pretty hard, but think about Job for a moment. All the way through the book, um, there are two things that he has really wanted. Two things. One is that he really wanted a list of charges that were against him. He wanted somebody to front up and say, this is what you've done wrong, or these are the reasons why you're suffering. The list of reasons, the list of charges, he wanted that, or... He wanted someone to, to give him a verdict of innocence. Someone to say, it's all right, Job, 
you are innocent, uh, this, you're suffering, it's not your fault, um, this is why, and so on. He wants a list of charges, he wants a verdict of innocence. And this, the, the opening verses there, verses 1 to 3, tell us, and you can read the rest of it, you know, he gets neither of those. We spent the whole book building up to this point, anticipating Job might get the thing that he's after, and he doesn't get either of them. God fronts up and says, I'm going to question you. Now, it is pretty hard, and I think we might find this pretty challenging, and I think it's why the ending of the book is so troublesome for so many. God doesn't seem to offer any explanations. Um, He doesn't, and it might to us seem like it's not very much comfort that he's offering. He doesn't come in and sort of say, let me put my arm around you. Uh, let's, you know, let's, let's talk about it. He doesn't get told, uh, Job doesn't get told why. He doesn't even get told the, the whole Satan story. It's all, uh, we know it because we're the readers, but Job has never told it. And the main message that God seems to bring is, Job, you don't know what I know. You can't see what I can see. And it's pretty, I do think, you know, many of us wrestle with this. And Job's response, as we'll see, will come, uh, we'll look at it just uh, towards the end. Job's response might be equally troubling, because I think part of us imagines Job should get really cross at this. And people have often found, they come to the book of Job, even when, then when he doesn't get the answers he wants, at least Job should sort of shake his fist and say, well, you know, well, this is, this is awful. Can I have my money back and get a receipt? Um, but actually, Job is changed by this, and, and Job goes through a kind of conversion. Not a conversion to faith, because he's had faith the whole way, but he does go through a conversion to embracing God's sovereignty. And what it means is the very hard stuff of that you don't always get what you want. But how then would you go about it if you wanted to embrace God's sovereignty? Let's look at what um, uh, uh, God has to say. I think the headline for this, how, how would you embrace God's sovereignty? If you, were, if you were trying to think about it, how do you embrace God's kind of hand over your life, my life, the world? The thing that we need that I think God brings to Job is that we need questions that lead us out of ourself. We need questions that lead us out of ourself. Have a look. So uh, Pete sort of teed this up because they're really, they're amazing verses. Um, uh, they are just, it's a, a string of questions. And so Pete read the first few. You could kind of carry on. Uh, verse 8, who shut up the sea? Um, uh, verse 12, have you, ever, have you ever given orders to the morning uh, or shown the dawn its place? Verse um, uh, 16, have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Um, verse 20, uh, uh, talking about uh, the places of light, can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Uh, Verse 22, have you entered the storehouses uh, of the snow? Uh, Verse 24, um, (laughs) this is one of my favorites. Do you know, uh, say, what is the way? Do you know know the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed? Do you know the way to where the lightning goes? It's it's quite a great question, isn't it? Uh, Who cuts the channel for the torrents of rain? Verse 29, uh, from whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost? Verse 30, can you uh, bind the chains of the Pleiades? Do you put the stars in their places? Uh, Can you raise your voice to the clouds? Verse 34. Verse 35, do you send the lightning bolts on their way? And so on and so on. Do you see that it's a a long, long list of questions. 
Who, where, have you done this? Could you do that? Do you know this? Do you know that? And each of them, of course the answer is Job isn't going to know that. But for each of them, Job is, they are questions that are designed to take Job out of himself. To take Job out of his circumstances, out of his sense of, you know, that sense that my, my world is consumed, just consumes me. And all I can think about is me and where I am and what's going on. And it's those questions that are designed to take him out of... Now, we might hear... Sometimes we can hear that. So you could read it. I guess you, you could read it quite aggressively. But actually, it's very clever. It's quite playful. And one of the things that it does is it takes um, everything that Job began, uh, talked about in chapter 3, and it starts to rework and play with it. We've talked about how clever the poetry is in Job. Um, do you remember Tim took us through chapter 3 a couple of weeks back? Very dark chapter where... Um, uh, Job was, was kind of communicating his despair, and he was talking about how, how bleak things were. Well, there's a number of images, and we talked about how stark those images are, a number of those that then God picks up on and reworks and reframes, as if to say, Job, let me just lead you out of where you are. So, for example, let me give you a couple of examples, because they're quite, they're quite fun in their own way. He's, he's very clever um, in what he's doing. Uh, Job spoke in chapter 3. He said there was, he almost wanted there to have been no song of joy when he was conceived. The idea that there should be you know, joyfulness when, when he was, um, was conceived. Uh, if you have a look at verse um, 7, uh, God says, when he was kind of uh, setting the foundations of the earth, verse 7, the morning stars, they sang together. Uh, the angels shouted for joy when things were formed. Um, when uh, Job talked in chapter 3, he said he really feels hedged in and sort of hemmed in by God. So everything is closed around him. And uh, verse uh, 8, uh, God says to him, Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? Who, uh, when he says, Who shut up the sea? He's, he's saying, Who hedged the sea? When, when the earth was being formed and the sea was kind of everywhere, who, who said it in its right place? So you feel hemmed in, Job, but do you know I'm the one who, who actually measured out where the sea should go? Come with me, Job, and, and let's just think more broadly than, than just your life. Or when uh, Job very darkly, very sadly, wished that the womb had never been opened to him, that he'd never been born, um, and God, verse, uh, um, verse 29, here he says, From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? What, what he's doing is saying that you, you wanted to, cl- your sense of despair was you wanted to close down your life. You wanted to, to, to shut it down. You wanted to go inwards. And God says, would you come with me, Job? Let me lift you out of that. Can you see what else is going on in the world? Can you see what kind of things I do? Can you see the perspective which is beyond just your own? And all of the questions that he asks him, they're, they're, some of them are quite playful. They are trying to lead Job out of that. Job, you need a bigger perspective. You need to see beyond yourself. I always think it's really interesting that we, um, Ollie chose the, the second song that we sang um, uh, this morning. Um, uh, the one that talks about storehouses laden with snow. You know, it's a great song, isn't it? And we often, I think, we sing it really, really cheerfully. It's very joyful. It's very uplifting. Actually, it's taken from Job 38. It's taken from a place of saying, our eyes are so often so, so sort of fixed down here, looking at ourselves, looking inwards. And would you look outwards, says the Lord. Would you look beyond yourself? 
Um, there's, uh, there's, now, this is, re- this is really going to date me, but there's a, uh, I, I couldn't th- once I thought about it, I could not think about it. Uh, there's a great film from many years ago called Bruce Almighty. Uh, oh, look, you see. Oh, look. Big up to the Gen Xers and above. Okay, uh, so um, there's a picture, I've got a picture, Bruce Almighty, and it's a very silly film, but it's very fun. But actually, it captures a couple of things really, really well because he, um, he's very down on his luck and he's very, very frustrated. And then he meets God in the guise of Morgan Freeman, um, as you can imagine God would be. Um, and God says, you, okay, you can have, I'm going to give you my powers, not for the whole world, but I'm going to give you my powers for the sort of the region that you live in. Um, and you can do, you know, there's various things you can't do, but you can, um, uh, you can have my powers. So he has some fun, and he sort of sorts out his, uh, his enemy, and he, and, he, and he also, there's a woman that he cares about, and he sort of makes things right for himself. But then he starts to hear voices, and he hears the voices of people praying to him. Uh, and people praying to him, and, he st- and then he can't drown it out, and it's really getting irritating. So he thinks, oh, I'll devise a system whereby prayers will come in as emails, I think this is in the early days of email, because who would want prayers as emails these days? But anyway, uh, he, he devises them as prayer. And so then, but then he has like three million uh, unread prayers in his email inbox. Um, and he's try, he spends his time typing, trying to answer them individually. And then in the end, he's like, oh, I can't be bothered with this because it's exhausting. So he just says, I'll just say yes to all of them. Boom. Um, and of course, what follows is absolute chaos. Because the world begins to fall apart. And that it, it, it just captures so well this idea that actually God's message to Job is, look, if you knew what I knew, if you knew what I knew, you would do things differently. You would see things differently. And Bruce, in his film, he gets this, you know, he gets this lesson. Actually, if, once you do see what God sees, you realize you can't, you can't just think, yes, yeah, sure, just say yes to everyone. That'd be easy. Fine. No problem. Actually, we need leading out of ourselves. And in an age where we are very introspective, often helpfully at times, but we are very, very introspective. Actually, it can be very helpful, I think, to see God leading Job out of himself. So if, we are going to, if you want to embrace God's sovereignty, if we're going to try to, I think that's part of how we do it. And perhaps this, here is my question for you for this day, this week. What is the question God could ask you that would take you out of yourself right now? So it might be the question you don't particularly want to engage with. What is the question God would be asking you that would take yourself out of yourself right now? It might be the one that you don't particularly want to answer or engage with. How would you embrace God's sovereignty? Why would you embrace, thirdly, why would you embrace God's sovereignty? Because it seems like a terrible idea, doesn't it, when you think about it. Why would you embrace God's sovereignty? Why would Job embrace God's sovereignty? Only, I think, if you want the person more than the answers. Only if you want God himself more than the answers you might get from him. I think it's the only reason why you would want to embrace God's sovereignty. Only if you want the person, if you want God's, more than the answers. Job's response, um, it kind of comes, there's a couple of parts. We we are trying to span quite a a largest section of, of his engagement with God. Um, we, we had a couple of moments where um, uh, he engaged, uh, he responds, um, and his response often confuses people, and, and, and it's tricky, um, but I think one of the things just to be aware of in ourselves when we come to Job's response is that we might get quite annoyed with him, because he doesn't necessarily respond in the way that we want him to. 
You see, we may be those who come to the book of Job and think, well, what I would want if I was Job is I would want answers. But Job, frequently through the book, what he has really wanted is to be able to speak with God. He's really wanted to be able to engage with God. And Job's desire might not be your and my desire. Uh, what we get when he responds, firstly, halfway through, he, um, he says, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I don't think it's defiance. I think it's just a kind of pause as he reflects, as he listens. Uh, and then later, we didn't hear this bit read, but um, he finally, went, when uh, God uh, continues his speech, uh, he says this, he says, my ears have heard you. But now my eyes have seen you. Now my eyes have seen you. He doesn't say, ah, oh, now I see it all. Now it all makes sense. He says, now I've seen you. Now I've heard from you. One commentator puts it like this. Um, uh, I think I've got a quote here. That God speaks at all, is enough for Job. All he needs to know is that everything is still all right between himself and God. To that extent, it doesn't matter much what they talk about. Any topic will do for a satisfying conversation between friends. Now, I wonder, does that... I want, does that get under our skin? We've got to this point in the book of Job. And Job has finally got a, you know, an audience with God. And we think there ought to be answers and there ought to be reasons and there ought to be satisfying conclusions. But Job says, do you know, I was just longing to speak with you. I just wanted to hear from you. And to say any topic will do for a satisfying conversation with, between friends will either make you go, oh, that's just really annoying. Or, that sense, actually, maybe you do know a friend, and you think, actually, just sometimes I just like being with them. I just like their company. It doesn't really matter what we talk about. And Job says, my ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. I've been with you. And I've said this before, I said this to our, um, back at the start of term, actually, I said this to our youth and children's leaders when they were prepping for it. If stuff gets under your skin with Job, that's the good stuff. That's where, where our struggles with Job are. That's where God is probing us, saying, why is that? Actually, do you, would you rather have answers than me, says God. Can you imagine in which, a world in which actually being able to talk with me was more satisfying than the things you actually came planning to anticipate you get from me? Because that's what Job uh, has. Often I suspect, I, I'm certainly the case, I do, we, we do want answers. Um, I sometimes look at, I, I got a letter when I was 16. I end up going to the church. I don't, know, I don't know what you do with that. It'd be nice to know why on earth that came when it did. Is that what caused that? Not. Is it irrelevant? I don't know. It'd be nice to know. But do I want God's? more than I want the answers to those things? That's the question Job sort of pushes me to. And it's where, as we 
enter the season of Advent, it's actually where we can and should look to Jesus. Because Jesus, his Advent, thinking about his coming, thinking about his return, actually his, because we, do, you know, we don't, like I don't get this right, I don't, I don't, you know, I frequently come introspectively, I come looking down, I'm not let out of myself, I don't, uh, I do want my answers from God. But actually Jesus coming reminds us actually his heart, his whole kind of disposition was the relationship with his father. Actually, the things that followed, what would happen, what didn't happen, what, uh, what was going to be done to him was secondary to the, to the love he had, the love he shared with his father. Actually, that's the whole reason he comes. What mattered most to him was that. And it's a, a reminder, I think, when we're sort of, don't leave this thinking, oh, I don't do this well enough or I don't do that well enough. Actually, the, the Christian message is we don't. There is one who did. There is one who related perfectly to his father. And Advent is one of, the, one of the times in the year when we remember what that meant for him to act on that for us. So why don't we pause, we'll take a moment of reflection and then we'll, uh, we'll sing uh, of uh, that season that we're in.